You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. Yeah, he's like, man, I'm so tired of talking to the president. I just want to talk about turkey farts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have... Ryan, Ryan Burke. Burke, yes, <laughs> <laughs> from the 60 Cycle Hum podcast. Hey, guys. So, what's happening, man? How's your day going? It's going pretty good. Just kind of hanging out, working, you know, doing the thing. I did a little, I did a little uh, reverb demo today. I recorded that oh, nice. this morning. Yeah. What, uh, what was that? Oh, I, I did, we did a shootout. A while back ago, between uh, a bunch of reverb pedals, and I got a, a couple new reverb pedals, so I kind of did a follow-up to that. Uh, so, uh, that's probably already out. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to put this episode out tomorrow, right? No, no. No, well, okay. you're, uh, you're a little ways out. Yeah, yeah. So, you guys, you know, go jump on our, uh, on our Podbean or our, on our YouTube channel, and you can see the reverb shootout. It's a. It's not a video. It's it's like a. I have like a photo on the YouTube, and then I have like the podcast recording of me doing it. So, but it's it's just, it's pretty good. People like it already. Showing right it to showing it to a few uh, people secretly before I publish it. So, oh, secretly. Yeah, secret secret little uh, previews for people. Um, uh, we gonna? Well, I guess everybody already know what uh, what reverb pedal did you add to the mix or take one away or well the first time we did it uh we had the hall of fame from tc electronic and we had the polara from digitech and then we also had the topanga from cattle and bread and the uh the frv one from boss and the the hov i mean the hof the hall of fame and the the polara are gone now and i picked up a surf rider from solid gold effects oh yes Mm. And I also picked up a uh, a Surfy Bear Bifet Reverb kit a while back ago, which is really a, an interesting beast. So I kind of put those into the mix back with the uh, the Boss pedal and with the the Topanga to just kind of see how they compare. That Surfy Bear, uh, I'd never heard of that before. You guys were talking about it on your show. Uh huh. Um, 
that thing looks really cool. Um, could you kind of describe that for everybody who doesn't know what that is? Sure, sure. It's it's a really kind of niche thing specific to, I think, like the surf guitar kind of community. It's this guy in Sweden, either Sweden or Switzerland. I always mix them up. But he makes a circuit board that, uh, like, directly copies the the path, the signal path of the uh, the Fender tube reverb unit that has you know tubes and a real spree, like a reverb tank in it and everything like that. Uh, only he replaces the tubes with bifets, so it's just a little circuit board that you could fit it into a pedal or stick it anywhere, and then you connect it up to an actual spring tank, and it's like having like a full-on reverb unit. Like you can kick the tank and everything, and it's 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 pretty darn close. Like people who own both are pretty excited about how close it is. So it's it's a fun thing. It comes as a kit. Like it's not in a case or anything. You buy the circuit board. It's already populated, but you have to connect the uh, the the knobs. You have to connect the pots, and you have to connect the like the input and output jacks and the power connections and everything like that. There's a little bit of work with it, but it's like really affordable. I think it's like a hundred something bucks to get started with it. Oh, wow. And then, and then you have to buy, you know, the, the reverb tank and you have to put it in the case somehow. So there's extra cost, but still it's like a pretty affordable project to get into. Yeah. To get that kind of sound for, I mean, I don't know after you buy, say you had to buy a reverb tank and everything. I mean, maximum, like if you just spent all your money for no reason, like two hundred bucks, maybe. Maybe like, you'd you'd maybe. have to be, you'd have to be working really hard to spend two hundred bucks. Reverb tanks are like twenty bucks. They're dirty. That's cheap. that's true. That's true. But if you yeah. if you if you you can pour a lot of money into the case, like I could probably go over to Daniel at Salvage Custom and be like, "Hey, build me a a fancy case for this," and that would cost me, you know, like hundreds of dollars or something like that. <laughs> right, right. But people people have been just sticking these things into like toolboxes from Harbor Freight or whatever. And they oh, look nice. Great. But then some people do build like these custom little cases and they Tolex them and they put grill cloths on them and stuff and make a fancy little thing out of it. But uh, I, I think that by the time you're done doing that, with all your time and effort, you should probably just buy, you know, a Fender tube reverb unit you know <laughs> right <laughs> you might as well get the get the real thing if you're going to go that far exactly yeah. go spend uh five or six hundred bucks instead of spending three or four hundred on the case for your one hundred dollar circuit thing you know but i've known guys that are into that like um yeah that just because they want to do it um oh totally i i a friend of mine and it turned out great and he's probably gonna listen to this uh he he has a, a BC30, Epiphone BC30 uh-huh. amp, and that's a cool sound. And whoever had it before him, like, swapped the speakers out and did some stuff to it, and it it sounds really good. Like, uh-huh. I'm very impressed with it. And and he was like, well, whoever had it before him, like, it was one of those classic things, like, that you guys would have loved if it was an ad uh-huh. um, for your show. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for anybody who hasn't listened to their show, they take ads. Well, you tell them. It's oh, your sure. Show. sure. <laughs> uh, well, you, know, no, you, you finish your story about the, the BC-30. Okay. And then we'll, he, and then we'll talk about it. the show a little bit. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he took the BC-30, and whoever had this before him, like, spray-painted it, like, uh-huh. blue. 
and just didn't really mask it off, just like shot it. And they just, you know, the BC-30 is kind of a cool looking amp in its stock form and they made it really ugly looking. Yeah. Basically. It's kind of got, this, is that the one that's got kind of like the interesting like grill cover thing, like the weird baffle where there's like a like a weird line that goes across it or something like that? Yeah, it's kind of like a diagonal line that like divides the speakers. And, yeah, yeah. And, and like has like... Trying to, like they're trying to like piping. hit on, on like the uh, kind of like vintage like Gretsch aesthetic or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, and they pulled it off pretty good. Um, it was a good looking amp originally, but yeah, this whoever had it made it look ugly. Um, and they put like a a like a Plymouth Duster emblem on it for some reason. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but anyway, uh, long story short is he took it and built a split it made it a a, a head and cab and, oh, cool. and and um built a whole new you know head enclosure and a and a speaker cabinet for it and it is one of the classiest looking things like ever nice. i would probably not have done that myself right. i would i would have just rocked it yeah. um but man it looks good it's it's uh. like it's all white with black piping and it's it's he did a great job it looks amazing uh-huh i'll, I'll have to post it or something yeah we already have you totally should post it, but you know, you know what we would say on our show about it is that uh, you know, like he's never going to get his money back when he sells that thing. I I don't think he probably will. Um, right. Most, I mean, that's, that's the trick with that stuff is if you put that much work in, then you should just never plan on selling it because you're never going to find a buyer who's like drinking the same Kool Aid you are. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, they did exactly what I want to that amp, and I'll totally pay, you know, three times its worth. Because that's, someone, that's true. Someone else did a ton of work to it, you know. But it sounds yeah, really cool. I'd love to see pictures of it. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to post that thing one of these days. I, might, I think I'm going over there this weekend, so I'll be uh, getting some pics of it. It's nice. it's really cool, but yeah, I, I the guys I run with and myself included, we we're different than you you guys. We um don't sell gear. <laughs> oh, like, those types of people, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like like I've I've sold one guitar in my life and I regret it. So <laughs> yeah, if if I didn't sell gear, like I I would have no place to go to the bathroom, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs> there's the, my house would just be filled to the rafters, and I would die when like, a pile <laughs> of stuff fell over. This is like I to justify my you know buying addiction. I have to just keep selling it, or I'll run out of room. Basically, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely understand how that goes. I I got chased out of my own house by my gear. I had to go build another outbuilding to yeah. hold it. It, it, it it's a it's a terrible it's a terrible sickness um, oh yeah it never ends it was it was either that or i was gonna have to start selling gear and like i said i, can't, I just <laughs> yeah. can't don't don't sell gear that's ridiculous just go build another building to hold it all in right but, that's right and when that gets full we'll we'll expand <laughs> <laughs> i like it uh, you know, eventually, you know, I, I always look at these guys, you know, myself included, who have these massive collections, and I'm just like, eventually, you've got to uh, kind of just open a store, like, turn, like turn your house into a guitar shop, and be like, well, okay, this stuff is for sale now, and I'll, yep. just, I'll just play with it until someone comes and buys it, you know. I I could actually see that happening at some yeah. point, uh, even though I, well, I don't know. 
you have, you have to sell gear if you own a store. And that, right. I don't but know. Then at Eventually, least my to, uh, at least someone have to come in and look you in the eye and buy it. You know. <laughs> And shame me, shame yeah, me yeah. for my addiction. No, no, you shame. you shame them. Like, hey, you know, are you deserve this? Like, I really care about this this uh, this guitar. Do you, do you deserve this? And have people like justify their existence before you sell it to them? You know? <laughs> like, what kind of music do you play? Well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually a member of Nickelback. No, you know, get out of here. Yeah, you can't. it's not for sale. <laughs> get Sword off my closed. property. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, good stuff. It isn't. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's got to be like a lot of people like me who aren't online or sure. like available. So it'd be really funny to like go to a garage sale or something and like find a kindred soul that was like an older dude. That was just like had stacks of reverb tanks and just all the, <laughs> that that has to exist somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, those guys are all over the place. I I've not yet encountered them, but yeah. then again, yeah, I've never bought anything on a boat like Steve did or anything <laughs> like. That. <laughs> I guess let, let, let's uh let's talk about where I'm from real quick before we go down the whole insanity <laughs> yeah. further. Oh yeah, that's what I was uh, I was trying to figure out. Like I gotta I gotta get this back on the. Let's talk about where Ryan comes from and what he does, so that uh, <laughs> if you guys aren't familiar, right, right. So I mean, let's... we could just keep going and just you know, people could just be like, "Oh, it's some guy, whatever." That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> some, just some dude. I don't know. I just found this guy uh, on you know, just on Craigslist, and I decided, hey, yeah. let's call him. Yeah, let's no. call this guy. Yeah, I am. You know, I am just some guy. I don't claim to be anyone special. Just some some guy, you know. Well, so am I. So that works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so le- yeah, I should uh, since we brought it up, let me segue into uh, my classic question, which is, sure. "What's your musical backstory, and uh, how did that lead into doing what you're doing today?" Okay. Um, well, let me start that a little backwards, and I'll just say what I do today first. Okay. And then I'll and then I'll talk about my background. Uh, basically, uh, myself and my friend Steve, who we've mentioned, uh, we run a guitar podcast called 60 Cycle Hum, and we uh, mostly just talk about the used market, and we cover, you know, Craigslist ads and eBay ads and stuff off of Reverb that our listeners send to us, and once a week, we just kind of tear into it, whether it's good or bad, and, and kind of just review these ads. And just kind of be nerdy guitar, uh, you know, guitar gear guys, and do our thing. Okay, so that's who I am. Is I'm the guy from that show. All right. So what was the other question? Well, uh, <laughs> do you like brownies? Oh yeah, I love brownies. Okay, good. That was all right. That end was of the show. Question. All right. Yeah. See you guys. Done. See you next week, guys. What a great show. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, no, I wanted to know like what your musical backstory was, um, uh, how how you you know started playing, and then how that led into your show. Sure. Well, I, th- I think um, if I have to get in my musical background, then I have to go way back before I even started playing. And uh, I guess you know the the general gist of it is that I grew up in a pretty you know my mom was pretty conservative. Uh, you know, kind of like a Christian kind of family, 
And so I wasn't really allowed to listen to whatever music was happening in, you know, in the time that I was, I, you know, I was born 81. So, you know, figure when I was in elementary school and kids were starting to listen to music, it was all kind of like eighties hip hop and, you know, hair metal and Michael Jackson and all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't really, I didn't really have access to that whole kind of popular, popular music kind of world. But my mom would let me listen to oldies stations for whatever reason. Like she figured that she, probably figured that she was familiar with those songs and knew what I was getting into. And, you know, I wasn't going to be told to, uh, you know, kill myself listening to Judas Priest or something like that, you know? <laughs> like she didn't, as far as she knew, there wasn't, you know, uh, backwards masking in Diana Ross songs. So I that's was, what she thought. <laughs> yeah, that's what she thought. You have no idea what's in those music. It's, it's insane. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was allowed to listen to oldie stations and I didn't have any problem with that. I loved it. Uh, I, you know, I still really appreciate that kind of musical education that I got to give myself by basically spending probably the first, you know, three or four years of my independent music listening life, just kind of soaking up older stuff. And there's not even, there's not oldie stations anymore, not here anyways, that cover that ground. It's all, you know, classic rock is the closest thing we have to oldies now. But there used to be stations that would cover you know, everything from like doo-wop up until, you know, like late 60s kind of psychedelic sort of stuff. So that's kind of what I was listening to. And the, uh, what always really grabbed me was the older instrumental tracks, you know, like old surf rock, old kind of like soulful instrumentals and stuff like that. I always really dug those. And so when... I came into my teens years, years later. Uh, and I saw, I started playing guitar cause I saw a friend learning to play guitar and he played, uh, you know, the intro riff to smells like teen spirit. And I was like, well, that looks stupid easy. I can do that. And so, uh, there was an old acoustic guitar in my family's closet and I pulled it out and I started teaching myself and almost immediate. It was like, okay, you know, there's all the music that my friends listen to and says on the radio, but I really want to learn these old instrumental tracks, you know, like old, like surf rock songs and old, you know, these old soul songs that were instrumental that didn't have vocals or had very minimal vocals. Like for some reason, those always grabbed my attention. So that's kind of like always been the base of what I'm attracted to in music. And of course, you know, learning when I was a teenager, I ended up being in, you know, various bands and playing with friends and stuff. And I was in a band with Steve and I've been in bands with other people that were always, you know, you got to compromise. You can't play just the stuff you want to play. So I kind of developed more of like a punk rock style and was writing songs and singing and stuff like that. But I was always kind of thinking like I'd love to do like the instrumental sort of thing. And in the past, I think three years ago, I finally got around to starting like a surf rock band. So that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. Um, so that's kind of my musical journey in a nutshell. 
Like, there's a lot more in there that I could talk about, but it's like, why even bother getting into it? (laughs) (laughs) But I think as far as, as, you know, the start of it, I I probably should have rooted that more in terms of what I'm doing that we're talking about, like the guitar podcast. Yeah, that's, that's all good. I was, I was going to say how did, like, what was the, like the trigger for that? Like what made you guys decide to do your show? And then, you know, format it the way you guys have formatted it. Because I, you know, have only been listening for probably six months or so. So I don't yeah. know what, like, the older, if it's always been that way or um, what you guys have been doing or what you guys did in the past. I mean. It's pretty much the same as what we started doing. The only thing that's different now is that we're doing, the, the like, the demos and people are sending us stuff to review. Like, that's the only thing that's really changed and I guess, I guess the way the start of the podcast is, that, like I said, Steve and I were in a band together, you know, kind of grew our friendship early on that way. And then, you know, we're both working professionals uh, with desk jobs. So we, throughout the day, we would, you know, send each other gear ads early on from, you know, eBay and then when Craigslist came along, and then, of course, Reverb and stuff like that. And while we were working our jobs, we would just be instant messaging our, ourselves back and forth, like all these ads, you know, different deals that come on and, you know, talking about gear. So Steve and I have been, you know, podcasting without recording it probably for about a decade now. Okay. And then... uh must have been like three or four years ago, both of us started listening to podcasts and we started to kind of be like, you know, we should probably start a podcast and talk about this stuff. Ha ha ha. Wouldn't that be funny? And we would mention it and, you know, talk about it at parties or whatever. And, uh, my wife was like, yeah, you guys should, you guys should really do it. You should totally do it. And so we, uh, we talked about it seriously and, you know, we being musicians, we already have the gear laying around. We already have microphones and mixers and stuff like that. We already know generally how to record and how to, you know, set up the situation. Of course. So what the the thing that really took us the longest time was picking the name. Like we probably could have started podcasting like four months earlier if we had just picked a name. Because once we picked the name, it was like, okay, let's do this next week, you know. So just, you know, just like starting a band, you know, the name is the most important part. Once you have that figured out, you know what you're going to do, right? <laughs> oh, man, I can I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, so much. So it's it's basically been the same format ever since we started. We're just doing what we've always done is just talking trash on on you know the used market and ads that people put out and you know also talking trash on anything new that hits the market and <laughs> talk, you know talking like you know we're it's basically just friends sitting around you know talking about the things that they care about which happens to be gear in this case you know right and that's kind of i think i think a goal of ours from the beginning was to take this kind of microculture that we had developed with each other and this way of talking about gear and, and make it available to other people who want to talk about gear the same way, but maybe don't have, you know, like a close friend that they can do that with or a group of people they can do that with. So we can kind of be that person, you know? Right. 
You can be you can be their best friend. Exactly. We can be people's gear buddies where uh, when they see something they want to talk about and their wife is just sick to death of hearing about it, then they, they can come talk to us, you know? Yeah, I kind of, I got to admit that that just kind of had a, a light bulb click on for a moment that I am really spoiled in that two of my best friends are gearheads. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, we do similar things and, and constantly talking about it. And uh, it didn't really um, dawn on me until you said that, that there's... There's gearheads out in small towns somewhere that have nobody to talk to about about fuzz pedals. Like, oh, sure. I didn't really think about that until just now. I've always been so spoiled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the guy who gets, you know, he gets the new amp or the new guitar or pedal or whatever. Or, heck, a new, like, cable or strap. And he's got no one around to show it to. It's like if a tree falls in the wood, does anyone hear it? You know, he's, right. he's standing around like, who do I tell? Oh, I'll, I'll try to tell my wife. Oh, she she doesn't care. I'll try to tell you know my my friends who don't play guitar. They don't care. It's like you know you got to have you got to share these experiences because it's there's this this culture around this stuff that is you know it's different than music culture. It's gear culture. You know it is. It's very different, and because I know plenty of guitar players who don't care. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and that's fine. Like like okay. Like they're probably a better guitar player than I am because of that. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it is its own like subculture within a subculture type of thing, and it's a uh, it's fortunate for everybody involved, especially you know, kind of when you get in deeper into it that. Ninety percent of people are really cool in it too, which is a kind oh, of yeah, an unusual totally. thing. I don't think that happens all the time when you get that uh, niche down. That well, I think if you're talking about the people who who make the gear, like all those guys are just like stupid cool. They're all just like really like chill guys. Like very few assholes in the like the gear building community. You know, right? Uh, as far as like the culture of like the audience. Like, there's a lot of crazy places on the internet where people are insane about this well, stuff. Well, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I should, yeah, I should have clarified what I meant by that. Was I was more speaking about builders and uh huh. Most of the people trying to, whether it's a builder or, or whatever, most of the people trying to do something. Yeah, yeah. Vers- versus just uh, the being on the gear. Yeah, being versus being on the gear page and just going. I don't like that because I don't like it. Eh. Yeah, do we really need another tube screamer? I already have a tube screamer. And it's like, yeah, we, we kind of do need new stuff all the time. So, <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's just a copy of that circuit. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It's a cool copy. Listen to it. Exactly. I just, you know, ev- Everything is a copy of something at, at some point of it, you know, like. No one, no one is like, oh, I'm going to build an amp, and they reinvent, you know, transformers so they can build an amp. Like they're just using a transformer from a different amp. So, it's, you know, I could, you know, talk about it until you're blue in the face about the realities of this stuff. But that, but it's like it's a culture, you know. There's, like I said, there's places on the internet where people are kind of insane, but that's where they're home, I guess. You know, Every, everybody needs a place to go. Exactly. 
So, uh, you know, the crazies find each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm glad that they're all kind of in the same locations with each other so I can avoid those places. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's kind of been an element about of, of what we do is, you know, from the very beginning, when even before we recorded the first episode, we're like, yeah, we need to have our own, you know, Facebook group to have our own community around this thing because that's such a powerful thing right now. So, cause we were looking at like gear talk and, you know, the gear page and, you know, I was on harmony central way back in the early days and, you know, forum talking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a huge part of developing a gear culture or any culture is having a place where people can talk about this stuff. And so we, we basically grabbed the Facebook group name before we even recorded the podcast, I think just to establish it. And it's, it's just been a really powerful part of our show is having the Facebook group. I think we've got like 600, 700 people on there right now. And that's awesome. It's just constantly active. People are posting stuff all the time and it's just pretty incredible to see how, we have established a gear culture that is based on, you know, the, this, the way that Steve and I originally talked about gear with each other and still talk about gear with each other on the show, you know, where people are more friendly, more relaxed, more like open to ideas and stuff and be like, Oh yeah, I don't like that. But you know, here's who it would be good for is kind of the basis of how we talk about things, you know? Oh, for sure. So it's it's not one of these places where people are like, oh, you use that. Oh, that's a bad idea. You should use this other thing. It's 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 a friendlier place, you know, and and we're really uh, proud of that. That's that's awesome. And did it? I was thinking about this when you guys launched the show. Um, did you just like start doing the show like and just put it out there, and people kind of found it? Or did you have a different way of um, like letting people know it was there? Like, how did you go about that? Gee, I don't, I don't remember how we kind of announced it. I know that we recorded, I think, like three episodes in one night, or mm-hmm. like we recorded two weeks in a row, like two episodes at a time, and then kind of published them all at the same time just to see what would happen. And I'm, I probably promoted it on Gear Talk. Um, we mostly just told our friends about it, you know. And uh, I think that was just it at the beginning. I think for the first probably month or two, we had like 50 listeners max, you know. Right. And then, uh, you know, I have to, you know, I have to give props where props are due. We went and did a, uh, a recording at Salvage Custom, uh, the pedal board maker, because we're good friends with that guy, uh, with Daniel Tyak out there. And he's just got a huge internet following, especially back then. Like he was, you know, a hot topic. Lots of people, you know, were either praising him or trashing him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and so once we had him on the show and did a thing there, then it was like, okay, now we've got hundreds. And then that grew into where we are now, where we've got, you know, I think around a couple thousand people listening to us. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's been about a, 
year and a half or so, you said? I We're actually coming up on two years when I think about it, because I think we started in January of 14. That's very cool. That's yeah. awesome. And then, so the were you directing people to the Facebook group from the beginning? I think so. I think, I, I haven't gone back and listened to old episodes, like, ever. <laughs> so I only listen to the new episode when it comes out, just so I know like what pictures to post and what jokes to reference and stuff like that. Cause I, I forget the whole thing, you know, five minutes after I recorded, you know? <laughs> it's like, I don't remember what I said. So I go back and listen to it and see if there's any, you know, memes I can harvest out of it or something like that. But right. yeah, I haven't listened to old episodes in forever and I'm, I'm kind of afraid to cause the, the audio quality just wasn't there for probably the first you know, like 20 episodes or something like that, you know? <laughs> we always tell people who just discovered the show, like, listen backwards. Don't don't go to the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think on the first episodes, we probably were talking about the Facebook group and like, oh, hey, we have this thing. If you're listening, you should join it sort of thing. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So you guys recently started doing videos. Yeah. And they're awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember how many times I watched the intro slash showed my buddies the intro for the uh, JHS Muffaletta. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I was, I was literally LOLing one, the first time and second time. Laughing out time loud. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Actually, literally doing it and not just typing it into a phone. <laughs> yeah i don't know if i can say that we just recently started doing videos or um, well, well i guess this they've been I guess this year yeah they've been they've been uh i should say they're recently causing more of a stir let's let's yeah. put it that way i think we've been putting our backs into them a little bit harder probably in the last six months when was let me let me i'm here at my computer let me see if i can get a date stamp um you know, I think it all turned around kind of when we did, I think we first got our first idea of, of where we were going when we did the, the dig demo with, with salvage custom, he got a, a, a dig from Strymon before it was announced. And so we went out there and shot a demo and that's kind of where we developed the prototype for how we shoot demos. Now uh, we had done stuff before but it was always just me kind of screwing around one camera, like just using the audio, you know, capabilities of the camera to capture something. And then we went out to salvage and like, let's really do this up. Let's, you know, do something a little theatrical and, and have some fun with it. And we've, everything that we've done since then, we just kind of try to build off that and escalate basically to the point where, you know, we're doing makeup and we're building sets and stuff <laughs> and all kinds of ridiculous things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, we we're kind of developing a name for ourselves, I guess. So it's a, it's a lot of work when we do it and there's not a lot of money in it, but uh, it's a ton of fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, yeah. A lot of people, I don't think realize that, that, that demo guys actually, you know, the ones that you know, not yeah. the, not the idiots like me who 
take a, their iPhone and go, <laughs> right, right. This is what it sounds like, except you can't tell because I'm using my iPhone. Right, uh, right. The people that you... I think there's a value to that, though. You know, I whenever I buy a pedal, I watch almost all the demos that are out there for it. I watch the ones that are done on an iPhone or, you know, shot with a potato camera or something like that. And then I watch, you know, the ones from, you know, Pro Guitar Shop where it's like the most perfect demo you could imagine, basically. Right. Um, so I think it's all valuable. But, yeah, you have to kind of put your back into it to be the guy that gets paid for it, basically. Right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are still don't realize that wh- where I was going with that 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 the guys that are good are getting they're getting paid. I mean, they're not getting yeah. rich, but they're 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 being compensated for their time. So yes, yes, it's pretty standard. I don't know if I don't know if it's a faux pas. No one's has told me otherwise because we've talked about it on our show. But you know, I I have no problem being you know out there with the details of how it works. Is it's it's really common to receive the uh, the pedal. In the case of pedals, anyways, it's obviously different for bigger ticket items like amps and guitars and stuff like that. But it's it's not uncommon to receive the pedal plus pay to do a demo, and then you get paid basically uh, on the merit of how many YouTube subscribers you have. Right. So that's kind of what it's based on. And then you know, there's you know. There's people out there who, I don't know if in the demo industry, but there's people in the YouTube industry who buy subscribers for those reasons and buy views and whatever. And, you know, I, I think you have to also develop a reputation with these people. Like, and like we were talking earlier, everyone in the industry is really friendly and really nice. All these guys are connected. They all talk to each other. You know, it's all word of mouth. You know, you don't get on someone's demo list by uh, being manipulative, basically. exactly it's an interesting industry i think that manufacturers would be able to tell pretty quickly if a guy bought all of his followers because nobody (laughs) responds to it right totally (laughs) like you've got you know a video that where the the channel has a million subscribers and each video has twenty thousand views but then there's two comments on it you know like what what's going on (laughs) yeah It, it, it it don't yeah there's there's people that do that across all social media things and and I'm relatively new still to the social media stuff um uh-huh. and I'm so I'm I found that out and I was like what is the point like I understand like inflating your numbers for for people to like pay you more I guess or whatever but yeah I, but I'm like I, well, I, think I want real, be... real people <laughs> exactly <laughs> real people. like I always like I looked at it and was like oh I, is there some sort of benefit where you come up on search queues sooner or something like that and then the more I thought about it, I was like, I want to know exactly how many real people I have. And the moment mm-hmm. that you go and you go and do that sort of thing, you don't have real numbers anymore. And you have no idea how many real people you have, uh, even for just for your own information. And I want to, you know, like I was saying earlier, I want to build a community and I want to build a culture and I want to have real listeners, not robots out there or, you know, some guy in Taiwan who gets, you know, a penny every time he watches three videos or something, you know? Right. Then so, he has no idea what he's watching and doesn't yeah, care. He, he watches the first 10 seconds and then turns it off. Cause that's what it takes to, to register a view or something like that, you know? Right. 
I w- the, the thing that's valuable to me is building an actual audience. So it's, we have been fortunate with the demos in that we have good connections and good relationships with the people in these industry, in the industry already. So people know, you know, what we're delivering, what kind of audience we really have and, you know, that we're, you know, all right dudes. So that's been very fortunate. You know, we had the connection with Daniel Tyek at Salvage has been invaluable. He, he's gotten our names on a lot of people's lists. So that's been awesome. He seems like a, a awesome dude. Like he seems like a, he seems like, well, he, uh, somebody I'd want to hang out with, you know? That. Yeah. Well, he's, he's the kind of guy that everyone wants to hang out with. You know, there's, there's things you could say about Daniel and I love you, Daniel, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's things people could say about Daniel that are negatives. Uh, but the reality of it is that everyone that is kind of connected to him within the gear industry just loves that guy. And he's really just connects people. Like he's a hub for so many people. I recently, uh, you can look on our YouTube channel. We went out to uh, to Taylor Guitars, which mm-hmm. is based uh, here in in San Diego, where, where where we live. And he put together this huge thing that was just incredible. Where he uh, he knows Bob Taylor, the owner and founder, obviously. And he's like, "Hey, I'm going to get a bunch of you know small boutique guys in here." And I want you to like talk to them about, you know, the business of doing this and growing and whatnot and do the, like the whole tour and everything. And Bob was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I think like 17 people came in and most of them flew in from other places in Mm -hmm. in America. And Bob just gave us this entire day at Taylor guitars at the factory. We got to see every single nook and cranny of that place. He fed us meals. He gave us drinks. He, you know, he gave us all these like crazy industry secrets. And I was basically just there with my video partner to document the whole thing. But of course, you know, we got sucked into the whole, you know, the whole event and we're part of it while we were doing video and and whatnot. But we got, we have two videos up on our YouTube of Bob just talking to these guys. Like there's great guys there, you know. Doug Cower is there of Coward Guitars. Uh, uh, Benson is there of Benson Amps. You know, there's there were so many people there. The guys from from Bad Cat Amps was there. Uh, I I can't even remember off the top of my head. Uh, Joel from Chase Bliss was there. He's a great guy. You know, it's, it was just a really rad thing, and it all happened just because you know Daniel got us there. Like he made this event, and so it's just he's been just a enormous help to our show just because of how many people he's connected with and, and he really loves the show and, and, you know, is connected to it. So it's been a great thing for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually did know about that, that event uh, going on, um, uh-huh. uh, through Chris. Um, he was, he uh-huh. was telling me about it, um, before he went down and I was just like, that is, that is awesome. And then he was telling me a little more about it, you know, um, when he got back and uh-huh. I was like, I'm so jealous of you right now. I he can't even insane. tell you. It was totally <laughs> insane. Like I, I feel, you know, we all, 
hung out the day afterwards and it's like we all had a, like a religious experience with each other <laughs> you know it was like we're all gonna meet up in 20 years and and like have a reunion over it you know like oh remember when we all hung out with bob how great it was you know <laughs> for sure yeah for sure i mean yeah i was i was following the whole thing you know that you were you guys were posting some pictures and uh -huh. um Doug, I, I you know every everybody who has Instagram basically was posting pictures of of the yeah. day, and I followed most people that were there. So it was like, ah, oh man, yeah, oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah, anyone who kind of knew who was in those pictures was like, oh my gosh, I wish I was there so hard right now. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was just an incredible day. And then we got to hang out with all those guys the next day. We went to uh, Satellite Amps, and we went to uh, man. Uh, we went to a restaurant that's owned by uh, John Erickson, who owns uh, Tonecraft. Um, and so it's just, it was just an incredible weekend. I basically abandoned my wife for like three days. <laughs> my wife and my baby. I was like, "Sorry, honey, there's gear adventures I have to be on." <laughs> so I, I like Monday morning. I woke up and it's like, okay, I got to. Make sure I'm not in the doghouse after this weekend, you know. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's incredible, though. I mean, that's uh, I, I love you, honey, but I would have done the same thing. Yeah, listening, yeah. like I'm sorry, I wanted to do it anyway, and I was stuck here in Portland. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's that's another person I have to you know just give a lot of thanks to for helping the podcast happen is the patience of my wife and Steve's wife, you know, cause we just kind of disappear every other Friday and aren't, aren't done until, you know, like 11 o'clock at night. Cause we're hanging out talking about gear and drinking beer and <laughs> eating tacos and stuff and, you know, doing everything else we do, you know, it, when we shoot those videos, it, it takes, it takes, you know, as much as three days once all the work is done to get those things out, like right. once you sh like the, the shooting it is easily half a day, uh, just for one demo. And then the time we spend editing it. And if I do any animation or anything like that, like it just, it adds up real quick, you know, and then we do the podcast portion and there's another day right there. So it's a, it's a lot of work. It definitely is not worth the pay that we get. So don't, hear, every, everyone listening, don't go like, oh, video demo guys get paid and they get gear. I'm going to do this and I'm going to just be rolling in pedals and money. It's, it's still a labor of love. You know? <laughs> um, you know, you just shattered the whole image I've been trying to cultivate, which is this wealthy billionaire gear podcaster. And now right, you just right. now you've shattered the illusion, and <laughs> and everyone's gonna know that I'm just some dude who has a pedal addiction, just like they do. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Now I'm no, now it, I'm no longer it, Batman. It is inc it is incredible getting pedals sent to us and then getting to keep them. It's kind of it feels like being in like you know like a cheese of the month club where something shows up and you get to just try it. Like it's. But then I still buy pedals, you know. <laughs> right, of get, course. <laughs> pedals get sent to me, but then I'm like, "Oh, this is nice. I got to buy another pedal." Though. <laughs> you know? I think honestly, I'm. I think I've bought more pedals than yeah. I normally would because yeah. there's there's some things. It's like 
like there's been a couple guys that are like sent me stuff and they're like yeah just send it back when you're done and i'm like that's cool i can i'll send it back and i'll play it for a little while i'm like I can't send it back. How much you want for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how they get you, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. And then I was, I was telling some of the guys, just stop. Okay, I, yeah, I want to play that really, really bad, but I don't have any money for that right now, so don't send it to me because yeah. I'll just probably end up keeping it. Oh, um, basically, anytime I see something new come out and I'm like, oh, I want to try that, I, I shoot them an email. I'm like, hey, do you want a review? <laughs> 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 that's a, that's what a, a funny story is that we did the review of the the quilter tone block yeah and the reason that i did that is because my amp broke and i was like oh I, my my amp broke i kind of need an amp who who should i and i use like this vintage solid state amp for for my surf rock band mm-hmm. i was like who makes like a good solid state amp i was like oh i gotta try that that quilter company so i just wrote him like hey you want us to do a review of your amp and we'll do like a video? It's like, yeah, yeah, totally. And he sent it and it was on my doorstep like three days later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just got to, you know, ask for it. And you got to have kind of something to be able to show to be like, this is what we do, you know? So. Right. For sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I've had a couple people ask me like how I get people on the show. Um, you know, like, like, like Josh was on an episode and, and, mm-hmm. and it was like, well, you know, I was kind of introduced to him through, um, through Ryan McCaffrey and, uh, you know, um, uh-huh. and, and blah, 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 blah. And then I just went, well, I, I mean, essentially I just ask like, yes, I am kind of introduced through other people sometimes, but yeah, there's a lot of guys I've just, I've just straight up emailed them or called them and been like, Hey, you want to do the show sometime? Yeah, and guy, I mean, that's, guys that that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of guys that don't, well, it's, you know, some of the bigger guys I've got, they don't even know I exist. So there's, they have to, like, kind of yeah. vet me out first. But it's just kind of funny because, like, how do you how did you get that guy? And I'm like, I asked him. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got a pretty good setup here to do this. I'm really impressed with your your whole thing. We've we've tried to do phone interviews with our show, and it's just it never works out great for us. It's a ton of work, but you've you found like the right you know phone app to do it, and the technology's there, and you've got you know you've got a great kind of format here. I think we're to the point where if we do interviews, it's like a weird, out of the ordinary sort of thing because it's just not who we are at this point. We just, right. you know, leave that to other people to do the cool interviews. <laughs> uh, I just, I just like talking to people. Um, yeah. And, and so it, it, sometimes my interviews don't necessarily, they, they, well, kind of like how this one has went. They sometimes don't end up being a lot of questions. They just be, end up being talking. And sure. <laughs> I hope that everybody likes that, but uh, it, I can't, I, I kind of can't help it. I just. And wired yeah. that way, I guess. That's why people listen to podcasts. They don't want to hear just, you know, silence. They want to hear talking. <laughs> <laughs> the silent, po- I bet you there is a silent podcast. Yeah. There's probably one, a podcast for those people who like, like the soft sounds. I forget what that's called, but it's like a weird fetish where people want to hear like your fellow feathers 
little dragged across like a <laughs> microphone and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> I don't know anything about this. It's like a YouTube thing. Like, look it up. It'll it'll weird you out. <laughs> like the feathers drug across a microphone? Really? Yeah, people want to hear like these like soft sounds or like whispering. It's it's like this whole thing. It's like this whole scene of YouTube videos. So if I like Google feather whisper videos, I'm not going to see like I think if you did whisper videos, it would you would be straight in the middle of that town. Like it's <laughs> There's a lot of them. It's it's a weird scene. I no. forget the I forget the term for it, but uh yeah, that's a whole other subject. Well, I apologize to anybody in my audience who might be a whisper fan. Um <laughs> that just sounds a little odd to me, but yeah. uh, uh uh you know, more power to it. Uh, there's there's worse things. So Yeah, uh, oh totally. All right. There's there's way worse things on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. Like my iPhone uh, iPhone uh, gear demos. That's worse. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen any of those. I'm going to have to check them out. Uh, I don't actually have a YouTube page or anything. Once in a while, I'll post a 15-second stupid clip to Instagram. But, uh, hey, that's but important, too. Instagram not if you listen to it. <laughs> not if you listen to it. It's not a good good thing. <laughs> yeah, but some people, you know, sometimes people just want to see, like, you know, what happens when you turn a knob or they want to get excited about something, you know, it's like, Oh, there it is. That guy's got it. I still excited about this thing. You know, Insta- you know, all these different social medias are, they're all important within this kind of interesting industry. You know, it's all just about getting people excited and giving them a place to, you know, talk to each other and, and look at things, you know, for sure. And it it's, it's cool too because I, you know, I like doing this obviously, but I like talking about gear outside of this too, and with you know anybody. And you know, I, I've just discovered how many more dudes like me there are <laughs> outside yeah, of yeah. my immediate circle, and it's like this and is really ladies too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly haven't. There are. Don't get me wrong. I. I. There are definitely some girl followers I have on Instagram and stuff, but it's just, it's uh, not as common. I f- actually thought yeah. there would be, I thought there would be more, and I don't mean that in a negative way in any sense of the word. I think it's awesome. You know, but, I, th- I think it's a thing where I think there's more than we realize because, you know, it's something that my wife does, like my wife and I are both on Reddit. My wife spent, you know, a good day and a half trying to figure out what her handle would be. And she does this for all sorts of other things like Instagram, wherever trying to figure out, you know, a, a name that, you know, kind of identifies her personality and who she is, but doesn't immediately reveal her gender because, because being on, on the internet and being uh, a lady can be uh, tricky sometimes. That makes a lot of sense. You get a lot of people who are either like, oh, you're a girl, you don't belong in this conversation, or you get people who are like, oh, you're a girl, uh, I'm going to friend request the hell out of you, and uh, I'm going to private message you, and uh, let's see what can happen. You know? <laughs> so I didn't really think about that, and now I have to, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, be careful uh, when I, uh, I mean, not when I friend request people, I mean, uh, when... <laughs> 
I mean, when I like a like one of my kind of normal responses if I get a a complimentary comment is thanks, dude. Sure. It's like that might not be a dude. Yeah, you can still call everyone dude though. It's I think it. I think they're just there's kind of a little bit of a uh, like a a title change going on in the gear world. I think we're. I think we're going to see more and more women coming into the conversation in the near future because when I play out and I play shows and stuff, there's there's girls playing in bands like all the time. Right. Like, I see them everywhere. Like every time I play a show, there's at least a couple girls playing in other bands. So they're out there in the gear culture. They just don't have a uh, a voice or an identity in it yet. As far as people know online, I think they're there, but I think they're hiding. I you see. I mean? That could that could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, I say the more the merrier. But that's I'm definitely Absolutely. not going to be one of those morons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, some of these girls are making you know incredible music. I played with a band uh, called La, La Ra. I have trouble with the name because they're supposed to do like the. Uh, like the Spanish roll on that R, La Ra, something like oh, that. Oh, right, okay. Just a kick-ass band. Had uh, three girls in it, all just ripping musicians. Uh, the front the front woman had this beautiful Rickenbacker, and it's mm. a completely a completely just stacked pedal board. Like just every nerdy thing you could imagine was on there. And it's just like, why, you know, why is this not part of our everyday kind of gear culture of you know the women in the world who who are obviously into gear as much as anyone else why is it not part of the uh, the conversation i guess i don't or know part yeah, of the scene it's it's interesting because i bet i can i bet you a hundred bucks that there's 10 times the conversations about <laughs> like trying to convince your wife to let you buy something oh, versus sure. versus this cool girl guitars guitarist rig, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think you're right. I think that's going to change. Um, I wonder how that. I wonder how that goes. Like when a uh, a lady musician is married to a, a guy who's not a musician and she's buying gear. I wonder what. <laughs> 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 I wonder what that relationship dynamic is because you know the, the dynamic of the husband buying another you know tube screamer clone. <laughs> it, it, is, it's a classic, you know. Is is a classic. Everyone knows what that's like. Like, oh, don't you already have three of those pedals? Yeah, but this one just came out. You know, like, what is the <laughs> dynamic when a wife is the one, you know, bringing home all <laughs> this random I, I'm gear? I'm sure you know? it's exactly the same. It's like, probably very similar. Like, I can't imagine that it's that it's any different. Um, yeah. Except that I was joking. I was joking with my wife that she should start her own like Facebook group and call it Gear Widows. <laughs> and it can just be for all the wives of musicians, you know. Oh, that, that would be so good. Yeah. Oh, my wife could relate to that so bad. You know, he comes home and then he talks to me for ten minutes, and then he, he just goes out into his he goes out into his room, 
and I don't see him for three hours, and he comes back, and he's all sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) He just bought a guitar, and he's already looking at new guitars? I don't understand. I just don't understand it. He can only play one at a time. He can only (laughs) play one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, um... I, I realize I, I don't. I don't think she's listening to this. But if you ever do listen to this, I, I am sorry. I apologize, <laughs> honey. I realize I ha- am mentally insane. So, <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. Well, it's good to know that we're all guy or girl. We're we're all probably in the same boat when you're a gear addict. Oh, oh yeah, totally. You just gotta scratch that itch, you know. Just that next thing. Like, I just, I did that reverb shootout today. Mm-hmm. I've got four reverbs here that I just have for some reason. Like, why do I have four reverbs? I just have them. Okay. Why, why do you have them? <laughs> it's the same reason why I have, uh, as of last count, and I think it's actually got bigger. This is embarrassing now that I think about it. I think of uh-huh. last count, I had 16 fuzzes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no. If if I didn't if I didn't sell fuzzes, I probably have like forty something fuzzes right now. It's stupid. I I started like a, a fuzz journey like five or six years ago, oh, that's and it a was good journey. it it was real bad. I was probably getting a new fuzz and then selling the old fuzz like every two weeks or something. Like oh wow! That. Yeah, it was really bad for a while. What did you uh what did you land on? Uh, I've got a couple different things that that I'm a big fan of right now. I've got the uh the Earthquaker Devices um dirt transmitter, mm-hmm. which I I really like that thing. Like I'm not a conventional fuzz user. I'm like I I go for these really nasty gated sounding fuzzes. Like that's that's what I've been chasing. And there's like, like a sound in my head that I've been trying to get and it's just like i'm always just trying to get a little little bit closer you know and it's just never quite there it's never quite perfect like it's such a weird thing fuzzes because they're so simple like there's like four components in there that are doing the heavy lifting and there's just a billion variations of them but it's i've got the like i got the dirt transmitter something i got recently that really surprised me because i bought it to do a flip because I was like, oh, I can buy this and then resell it and make a little money. I got the uh, the the Electro Harmonics Germanium Big Muff, which okay. is like a two sided pedal. There's an overdrive on one side and a and a fuzz on the other side. And I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna be stupid. Whatever. I'm not even really a huge Big Muff guy. It doesn't sound like a Big Muff to me. It sounds like an old like Super Fuzz, you know. Oh, like really? When you combine them just right, like you get this really great, just gritty, gated fuzz. Like it's, I've been really stoked on it. I need to do a little video uh, run through of it just because it's really cool. Uh, but it's like, you know, it's not a boutique fuzz. And that's what everyone looks at these days is, you know, the fancy boutique stuff like electro harmonics. They do really cool stuff. But, you know, I think most people look at that pedal and they're like, uh, pass you know i'll go you know look at what this other small company is is making but i think it's a really it's a really wild concept is it uh is it consistent you know how germanium can be a little 
little off depending on like the temperature or whatever is it seemed to be a fairly consistent pedal i haven't noticed anything like that but then i live in san diego where it's kind of the same temperature all the time <laughs> so i know that germanium's like if you get them hot or cold it can change but i haven't noticed that at all you should uh, do that i think it was eric johnson who did this with his fuzz faces i think i could be wrong uh -huh. but i think it was eric johnson he'd put them in the freezer <laughs> you and know that would be a, that would be a fun video to, yeah uh, see see what it's like yeah totally i i have a couple i i have a couple germanium things uh 99 of what i have is silicone silicone yeah. whatever um like you like a like a fuzz face sort of sound um i am a huge big muff fan i don't ah, have okay. i don't have that many um that's probably like if I I've said before my Desert Island fuzz pedal would be my um uh I got a a big muff that's it's basically it's basically a a green bubble font but it's uh -huh. in that weird transition transition area where they were going to the black finish but it's still a big box yeah you know it's it's basically a green bubble font and that is my probably my Desert Island fuzz pedal um, nice. That said, I don't have any other muff like clones or variants. I have fuzz face variants and yeah. and and um like tone bender variants and oh nice and and super fuzz um nice. things like that. So I kind of I try to look for the glitchy stuff too. Yeah. But, for, but but you know for most of the music I play, the big muff is kind of a crucial component to that so yeah i've got a couple of big muffs around i've got the mccaffrey and i've got the jhs uh muffaletta now oh, man, um, those are both really cool they're really really great i really love uh the mccaffrey uh the green vodka mm -hmm. for doing like lead work like it's just really just tight creamy pedal like i don't even think about it as like a fuzz it's i think of it as more like a lead distortion you know like you put a little bit of like hair metal delay on it and it just sings you know yeah and that's the, an excellent pedal excellent yeah the the muffaletta is just it's just such a game changer and i know that's been i think it, josh is saying like it's his number one selling pedal now it was their um it was their biggest launch uh yeah to date um they sold it's, like last they put a number out which is a while ago now they had sold 1400 of them they sold a thousand of a thousand of the um the first run, which was basically the first run, and then it already pre-sold four hundred of the next run. And that was a, a couple weeks ago. That's crazy. Those are those are big numbers for anything, you know. That's oh, crazy. Yes, most of, but it's a great concept, and I played that pedal too. And it's yeah, it's like it's that's a great pedal for a gigging guy who likes big muffs. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where, you know, everyone everyone wants to try all those different variations of of big muffs. They need they that concept is just so strong. They need to run with that and do it with a bunch of different things. You know, like mm -hmm. they need they need to do a tube screamer that's got you know like ten different versions of a tube screamer just in it somehow. And there's probably a really really tricky thing to do. Well, but I mean, that's what Earthquaker did with the Palisades. Yeah, the, I I have the Palisades, and mm -hmm. it's 
an incredible pedal. I love it so much. I don't think of it as a tube screamer because it's the way I dial it in is not tube screamer similar, similar, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, that's a great concept too. It's, it's these concepts that make that allow people to really create are the winners, you know? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone else is a winner too. Like, (laughs) but that those are the things that really grab the attention of someone like me. It's like, okay, you know, I think, I think like for me, the root of this like gear addiction is that I grew up playing Legos and it's kind of the same thing. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's tone Legos where you're tone Legos. You're like trying to like build something out of your head with these little blocks, you know, I did never, it's it's too perfect of an an analogy, right? That is, (laughs) that is exactly what it is. And it never occurred to me because I did too. I had, and that's, and, and, and much like my guitar tone, I would always assemble them into ugly monster creations instead of what they were supposed to be. So exactly. <laughs> very, very good. I like that. That is exactly what it is. And now yeah. my wife might actually understand if I tell her why I have so many pedals. Right. It's but like Legos. <laughs> it is. It's exactly like Legos. And you're always looking for that one little like blue piece to <laughs> complete the thing you're building. But That's there's right. no little blue piece. There's only a yellow one. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and also like Legos, it really hurts if you step on them barefoot in the Oh, door. totally. Yeah, yeah, and they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they're I, oh, that's great. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a one year old, and uh, as soon as I found out that we were having a, a, a kid, I went over to my family's house. I was like, "Where's the Legos? Mm-hmm. I need to save the Legos and put them in my attic so I have them." And I'm so glad that we saved my family saved all those because you look at how much they are. They're so oh, expensive. Man. It's crazy. It's just, it's just plastic. Like it's just little pieces of plastic and it's, it's, you know, it's crazy how expensive that stuff is. It is. Uh, but I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to get a mega blocks. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to get like the space Legos and you know, like whatever other variations they have now and, you know, build the thing that's on there first and then you take it apart and you never do it again. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, this is totally unrelated, but, uh, no, it's not. We're talking about Legos, but yeah. Um, but Legos. Um, what is this? A Lego the, podcast? There. Well, it's been a vegetable podcast. It's <laughs> it's been a it's been the feminism podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a feminism podcast. Yeah. You know, this is a this is this is everything that anybody could ever want in a podcast. So everyone yeah, should listen it's to the it. everything podcast. It's like yes. it's like a bagel, and we're back to food. <laughs> Oh, dude, I love bagels. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. So I guess since I should be, like, interviewing you instead of talking about Legos, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm going to ask you uh, another one of my classic questions. Um, and sure. Then we, and then we can maybe try to bring this to a close after you, after you talk about it. So we've kind of... Okay. I mean, what if what, this is just a yes or no answer? It's not. I, okay, I mean, if okay. I mean, if it is, then I'm confused. Okay, <laughs> I'll be super confused if this is a yes or no. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> all right, just do it. I'm okay. ready. <laughs> all right, what 
is Ryan's dream rig? Ooh. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> okay, show's over. So, uh, so all, all of them. All the yeah. rigs. Yeah, basically. No, that's, that's true. That's, you know, I, something I always say on the, on the gear group is that, uh, whenever someone's, you know, saying something about a piece of gear, like, oh, is, is it too expensive? Is it too this? Or is it, you know, not good for this? I'm like, I just want to try everything. Like, I literally just want to try every single thing that I see. And so, I, th I think as far as dream rigs go, it would be really hard for me to pin down something that I would be happy with forever, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I could come up with a long list of stuff that I really want to get my hands on and try that aren't readily available. Like, I'd love... I've been on this Vox Phantom kick. I'd love to get my hands on a Phantom, like a real one. Not right. even to own, just to try it, to see what that's like, because they look so cool. For sure. Uh, like, there's a lot of things like that. So, I don't think I could even begin to put together a list of, like, oh, if I had this and I've got my dream rig and I can, you know, stop collecting uh, or stop buying and trying um, I've always been that kind of person. Like I'm not like, if you asked me like who my favorite band is, I'd be like, I don't have a favorite band. I don't have, you know, a favorite genre. I know what, what I like when I'm listening to it, but I don't really pick favorites. I don't have a favorite color. I don't have you no know, favorite food. I like, I like the thing that's across the room and I haven't had it yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can, that's I can definitely understand that. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. See, so that wasn't a yes or no answer. No. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th I think that kind of mentality is probably a big part of where our podcast comes from. And this, you know, that's part of the reason why we probably won't ever stop doing it. Because there's always just that, that need to try the next thing and that curiosity and like, what is, you know, I, you see this? What is that like? What it would be like to play this thing? Or how awful is this? I still want to try it. I don't care if it's awful. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but on our last episode, uh, a listener sent us. Mm, I know where you're this, going. <laughs> this double neck acoustic. Yes. <laughs> it is so insane. There are people in the group who are asking, well, how much is it? How much? Right. How much is that guitar? I kind of want to try it, and I kind of want to try it. It's like all the way across the country from me. But if it was in my town, I would go and I would try it. It's it's two acoustic guitars that someone like cut the sides off the body and then velcroed them together. <laughs> these these guitars are velcroed together. They're acoustic guitars, by the way. Yes. Um, and then the top guitar has a Bigsby on it that is like hanging off the side of it of where the cut is. And the two bass strings on the acoustic are not attached to the Bigsby. So there's just four strings attached to the Bigsby. This thing is completely insane. We've been posting it around different places on the internet and everyone is just like, what the hell is this? And there's that certain group of people who are like, I want to try it. How, no, I want to try it. I how want can to try I try it. this thing? You know, <laughs> Like I think, I think a lot of people look at him like, "Oh, that's garbage." I'd never be seen with that. 
I want to build a band around that thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like I want to manufacture an excuse for me to play something that stupid. So I'm I'm trying to wrap my mind around. I seen that I've seen and reposted the picture you guys put on Instagram and, and yeah and people yeah went nuts. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out. Okay, the two guitars together. I mean, I mean, minus the Velcro part. That part I'm confused about still, but right. Well, but, double necks aren't uncommon, but no, the, the, the execution of this thing is just insane. It is completely insane. Uh, the, yeah, the double neck part I get. Like I get the theory, and okay, the guy didn't know how to put it together, so he velcroed it. I guess that's that's weird, but whatever. I guess that in theory I can explain that and rationalize it. Uh-huh. The Bigsby with only only manipulating four strings is yeah. very baffling to me. What does it mean? And he <laughs> he whoever did it built a little extra piece of bridge to hold in the two strings when he didn't have to. Like there right. was just the decisions made on this thing that I just can't wrap my head around. And I don't know if the person is a genius or a lunatic. Like it's it's They can bizarre. be both. It could be they both. They could they could be both. And the thing is the ad wasn't even for that guitar. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> The, the pawn shop that posted the ad was selling a like a, a jazz bass, and they just put this thing in the background of the ad. And they've done this for a couple different ads. We found uh, we were looking at their Craigslist in their area. Every time they post a guitar, they put this thing in the background. I think it's like their good luck charm. So I think like the real genius might be well, he might be the guy who put it together for all I know, but uh-huh. is the pawn shop owner. Oh, totally. For putting, like, he put that in all those pictures on purpose. Like, you know that there's people in his neck of the woods who have went to that shop just... Just to see it. Just to see it. And I, actually, when I posted it to Instagram, um, there was a guy asking me if it was in North Carolina because he's 90% sure he's seen that guitar at that pawn shop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's his freak show, you know? It's like... You know, it's like an old-timey, like, freak show circus. Like, oh, come in and see <laughs> see the snake lady, you know? <laughs> <laughs> see the snake lady and the conjoined twins. Actually, yeah. this conjoined twins is what this one is. <laughs> yeah, exit through the gift shop and buy a shirt that said that you were there, you know? <laughs> but only now it's like, come see the, the Siamese guitar that is Velcroed together, you know? <laughs> With the Bigsby that is on the side of right, okay. <laughs> your eyes won't believe what you see. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Photoshop that into like an old timey like freak show poster now. Oh, dude, you should do that. I know that. Hey, I got I got an idea for you. This is the next uh, sixty cycle hum T-shirt. Nice. There you go. Yeah. I thought about doing that. It's like kind of trying to compile all our craziest guitars and use them for a t-shirt design or something. Because we we have some weirdos on there. You do. You really do. It's it's pretty incredible. We need like a Hall of Fame, uh, like a photo album on the Facebook, I guess. (laughs) That'd be great. Yeah. There's a guy who just started a Facebook page. Uh, called Reptile Dentistry, or the Reptile Dentist, or something like that. And he posts, I think he's like a guitar repair guy. He posts the most insane 
botched jobs. <laughs> it's it's a it's a really good follow for it's not for dentistry, it's for guitars. But right. it's, it's like the worst things you could ever imagine happening to a guitar that people have done to them. It's it's a really good follow. So look that up on Facebook. We'll uh, definitely do. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean it's not awesome. It'll probably make me cringe, but <laughs> And it's always bad when it's, you know, like a guitar that otherwise would be like thirteen thousand dollars or something. Yeah. And oh, some yeah. guys some guys drilled holes in it to make it look like Swiss cheese or something stupid, you oh. know? Oh man, that reminds me. I seen a picture the other day that blew my mind. Um uh Jeff from Champ Tone Guitars. I actually have one of his uh-huh. guitars at my place right now that I'm trying out and it's awesome. But I seen on his Instagram some he found somewhere a nineteen fifty two Les Paul. Uh-huh. And you flipped it over oh, and no. the entire back somebody had taken a, a solid body Les Paul and hollowed the entire no. thing out. Yeah. The <sighs> entire thing. And then like put a back then like but left a little meat around the edges so that he could screw the back on it or, oh, or something. No. It was completely, I mean, at, at one point, you know, you know, on one hand, a hollow body Les Paul is kind of cool, but not on a vintage 1952. Yeah. Oh, it was like, well, when they, when they did it, it oh. probably was into vintage guitar. He was like, Oh, this is a new guitar. No one will care. I'll just do this now. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Man. It probably wasn't really dumb when he did it. It was just, it was just, yeah, eh, got my guitar. I'm a mod. He was like, oh, this guitar is too heavy. I know. I'll take it to my woodworker friend. He'll know what to do. <laughs> he gutted it. <laughs> yeah. He, he, it, it, was, it's, it, it was like, oh. But at the same time, my, my freakish part of my brain went, I wonder yeah. how the thing sounds. Oh, totally. I, I, that's what I'm thinking now. It's like the value is all gone, but I kind of want to play it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it would be super light and probably super resonant. And, yeah. And like, it would probably be pretty interesting sounding. Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, but that's the thing is though that you know a, a big part of the culture of of our show that we didn't talk about is is flipping, like because it's so so much about you know buying stuff and trying it out and then reselling it. Like a big part of our culture is making sure that you can have a profit margin when you sell it. You know, so that's we talk a lot about that and we talk a lot about you know the true values of things and what would be a good you know, price to pay for certain guitars or pieces of equipment. And just anytime you do something crazy like that to a guitar, it's just over. Oh, completely over. All that money's gone now. Like it doesn't matter if before it was worth a hundred thousand dollars. Now it's worth, you know, $1,500. Exactly. Because you did the stupid thing to it that no one can reverse, you know? (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, it's amazing just, I mean, everybody listening already knows this. It's amazing how much just refinishing devalues oh, yeah. a guitar, which I love refins for that reason. I can get a vintage guitar at a good, you know, reasonable oh, price. Sure. But, sure. um, yeah, I, 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 uh, well, if it's a I've good heard... refin, then like no one needs to know, but so often they're not, you know? Well, it was even like, like I, I have an old junior and I've talked about it on the show before that was my grandpa's and, you know, before I was ever into anything, you know, I, I, you know, I played guitar, but I didn't know anything about vintage instruments. Uh-huh. And um, I was sixteen or whatever. Uh-huh. And um, my friends 
dad was talking to my grandpa, who is a, a vintage guitar fan. And um, my grandpa was like, yeah, this, this old Les Paul's kind of beat up. Like, I think I might take it somewhere and have it redone. And he's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> and he's like, oh. And he just didn't, you know, my grandpa would play guitar, but he never followed any of that stuff. And yeah. he, didn't re- he didn't know, you know, uh-huh. uh, until later. He eventually figured it out, but... Um, yeah, it was that just I forgot all about that happening until we started talking. I I remembered that very clearly now. Oh like, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sort of thing that just makes, you know, like it makes my guts feel like they're tightening up like, "No, don't do it. Don't do it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Just, if you want a different color, then go get a different guitar, you know. <laughs> go get a cheap guitar and spray paint that thing, you know. Right. Don't, don't spray paint the thing that there are people all over the world who are dreaming about it (laughs) right well and you know i think you know he was talking about having it professionally done and i i am under the theory that you know even if my dad's uh friend hadn't spoke up um if he it's in such um, amazing condition like if if Uh he would have took if he would have taken it to any reputable shop they would have said no we're not gonna do that you you would hope so you, you'd wish you can always find someone though who will do the bad thing to a guitar, you know. It's, <sighs> he, I hate to, it's making my insides turn just thinking yeah, about it. There's, there's, there. He would have gone to people who had said no, and then he would have gone to an auto shop or something and got it sprayed at an auto shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick to my which stomach is, over something that didn't even happen. Yeah, which is something <laughs> I've thought about doing with cheaper guitars, like taking it by an auto shop and be like, "Hey, what color are you guys spraying today? You want to make fifty bucks?" <laughs> 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 oh, that reminds me of another thing, which it, it's a cheap guitar. Oh, we've already really went long, but I just want to throw this sure. out there real quick because it's it's quite comical and it really fits in with your guys' show and what we've been talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, same friend who does the uh, who did the incredible job on the Epiphone, you know, uh-huh. um, he had a an Ovation electric guitar. Um, oh, cool! I can't remember what it was. It was a cheaper one, you know, like from the nineties. Or whatever, okay. you know, it, it wasn't anything, like, to get super excited about. It wasn't all. one of, like, the crazy-shaped ones? No, no, it's like a, a Strat knockoff type of thing. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Just, it's just a cheap guitar, so this isn't, like, a horror story. It's just kind of funny. You mentioned the auto body stuff. Um, uh-huh. It had two pickups, and uh, he's going to love this, because he still has this guitar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, he, he, he filled in the neck pickup. With, uh-huh. like, with like Bondo or something. Oh no! <laughs> I, th- I think is what it was, and then yeah, painted it with like an auto body color, um, like a like a steel gray or something. But yeah, every once in a while, I still look at that thing. I'm like, man, good times. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do stuff like that though when you're young and starting out. Like I yeah, I took apart my first electric guitar and I refinished it a bunch of times. You know, I the first time I refinished it, it was just with just goopy layers of thick spray paint just dripping everywhere, and it never like solidified all the way because I got it so thick. And then I stripped it off, and I did it again, and I did it a little better. And then I stripped it off again, and I and I just did like a uh, an oil finish on it, and then it was kind of okay. Right. But you know, that guitar wasn't worth anything to begin with. I paid like two hundred something bucks for it. Exactly. And then I sold it a couple of years ago for like 150 bucks. So 
I lost more money in spray paint than I did on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But you got to, yeah. you know, if you if you you're the cert, if you're a certain type of personality, you have to do that stuff. You can't help it. But unfortunately, sometimes those people happen to have classic instruments laying around and they do it to things that don't deserve to have themselves destroyed. <laughs> you know, true true story. Very yeah. true story. Well, Ryan, I yeah, we're we're already uh, pretty over time. Um, yeah, yeah, we could we could definitely continue on for another couple hours, but uh, I think we should probably call her an evening. Sure, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if anyone out there who's listening who isn't already a listener of my show, uh, just look us up on iTunes, uh, Podbean, or Stitcher. We are called Sixty Cycle Hum. We publish every Monday morning. Uh, and look us up on YouTube as well. We're running a contest right now where when we hit 2,000 YouTube subscribers, we're going to give away a JHS uh, slash Keeley steak and eggs. So Very cool. Very we're, cool. We're about 600 uh, subscribers away from that. And I just, it's just sitting here on my desk right in front of me. I want to give it away to someone. So if you're listening, you're probably interested in that. So go do that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I will put links to your show and your YouTube page in the show notes. So that'll be nice and easy Thank for you. everybody. Yeah, no problem. Just yeah, so just hit the show notes and you'll be able to find all that there and Perfect. subscribe to them on iTunes, reviews, all that good stuff. You know what to do, people. You know how yeah, this works. You've, you've already done it. You're here listening to this show. Just do it again, you know? Yeah, it's that easy. It's, <laughs> it's that, that easy. It's that easy. It's so simple. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks for coming on. So uh, for Ryan, I'm Blake. And as always, good luck and good tones. Yep. See you later. All right, folks. That is the show for today. As per usual, you know that I am very happy that you guys are tuning in and listening. So thank you very much. And I just wanted to post a quick reminder that... The holidays are fast approaching, and you are probably going to be doing some purchases for your loved ones, workers that you kind of just tolerate, and other various people that you'll be spending your hard-earned cash on. If you wouldn't mind, Amazon.com has pretty much everything that you could want to buy, and there just so happens to be a link on my website, tonemob.com associates, where you click through there. Everything costs the same, it doesn't change anything, but we get a little kickback from that and helps keep the lights on. So that's tonemob.com slash associates. You'll see the link to Amazon there, and anything you buy using that link will go ahead and support the show. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and 
by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.